This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good morning, precious family. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning. I just want to thank Pastor Theo and Pastor Bev, which has been my spiritual parents now for 35 years, uh, for allowing me to minister to precious people like you. God loves you, and God's on such a beautiful road with you, taking, to you, taking you to a glorious destiny. Amen. Are you excited about this morning? Are you prepared this morning? Are you like a sponge this morning? Are you going to absorb everything that God has for you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all close our eyes as we draw near to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you, Father God, that we can come to you and ask. Ask whatever we need. Ask what we desire and you will give it to us. And this morning, our desire, Father God, is to be one with you in each and every aspect of our lives. Our desire, Father God, is to walk with you, to hear your voice, to experience the surges and the nudges of your spirit in our lives. This morning, I ask you that you will breathe upon your people. Oh, Father, that there will be a freshness of your spirit in every corner, every part of their lives. Whatever the need may be, Father God, that they will know that God is turning things around, that God is uplifting, that God is restoring, that God is expanding, and that God is blessing. I thank you, Father God, for a service being held within the four walls of your throne room where no person will feel exclusion but every person will feel included. That they will know they see God, they will know they hear God, they will know that God is touching them and that God's voice is penetrating their hearts. I thank you for a service being enveloped in the atmosphere of eternity. I thank you, Father God, that we can ascend to you and know that we are yours and you are ours. We are one with you. Thank you, Father God, for the special time that you have prepared before the foundations of this earth. And thank you for your precious people being blessed and uplifted today. In Jesus' name we pray this. And the children of God said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, family. God bless you. The title of my message this morning is Securing My Legacy. Securing My Legacy. Earl Jeff made this statement, he penned this down probably in the 1940s, 1950s. Now, this man was a motivational speaker, he was an author, and he was a multimillionaire, and he was born in 1916 and passed away in the 1960s, but he penned this down. He said, learn to work hard on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, you'll make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. So what he actually did was just expanding on what the Word of God says in 3 John 1 verse 2, where the Word of God says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 
So God's word tells us and teaches us that our internal condition will be revealed in our external environment. So in other words, what we think will become real. If we fixate our thoughts on certain things for a prolonged period of time, that thing, that thought will become a thing. <laughs> that thought will take on a physical form in our lives. That thought will be birthed in our physical realm. So God's word is very clear on this. He's, God's word says if you, your thoughts are in survival mode, your life will be in survival mode. If your thoughts are in thriving mode, your life will be in thriving mode. You see, we've been created in the image and likeness of God, so we are beings that create. <laughs> we create positive things and we create negative things we choose. So we've been designed to operate like God on the face of this earth. So the Bible is very clear on this. And this is why God also said to Joshua, Joshua, you need to meditate on my word. Think my word day and night. Because when you think on my word, you meditate on my word, and you do my word, guess what, Joshua? You will be successful. Be strong and courageous, and you will see my word coming into fulfillment in your life. So my internal condition determines my external environment. That's what he does. And so we would like to have it the other way around. We would first like to have everything in order externally to be happy internally. <laughs> we would like to have everything well on the external side so that we can, we can feel well on the internal side. God says, no, you need to get your mind filled with what I say, with what I desire, and fall in love with my things. And when you fall in love with my things, the external will conform to the internal. That's what the Word of God says and teaches us. So God says, you will prosper only the way your soul prospers. No other way. If your soul prospers, you'll prosper. So we all have relationships in our lives. We've got a relationship if you're married with your spouse, you've got a relationship with your children, you've got a relationship with your business colleagues and with the people at work. We've got different kinds of relationships. But our life is built out of relationships. If you talk, about, talk to a hunter, he'll tell you he's got a relationship with his rifle. <laughs> he doesn't want to go and hunt a lion with an unknown rifle. He wants to know that his rifle has been proven and tested and it's working and he's, he's feeling one with it. If you talk to a cyclist, he's got a relationship with his bicycle. Ask me, I've got a mountain bike. I've got a relationship with my bicycle, especially the saddle after 40 kilometers or 50 kilometers. I feel it. But you've got a relationship, and you, I mean, a musician's got a relationship with the instrument he's playing. So we've all got relationships. And guess what? We all got a relationship with our money. 
But the thing is, what consciousness do you put on your relationships? Do you put the consciousness of your reality externally or the consciousness you have internally with Christ? That determines the outcome. The Word of God says in Colossians 3 verse 3, He says, My real life is hidden in Christ. So my consciousness needs to be in Christ. Who I am in Christ. What God tells me who I am in Christ. What God says about my money. Amen. Who of you needs money to fulfill your dreams? We all do. So what is my relationship with my money today in my life? Because you see, you want to secure your legacy. You want to reveal the heart of God on this earth. And for you to reveal the heart of God on this earth, you need to have the right relationships and also the right relationship with your money. Billy Graham said this on money. Billy Graham. He said, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out, all, out almost every other area of his life. So our relationship with our wallet, our relationship with our purse, our relationship with our money needs to be correct and needs to be right. Amen? Some of us need to make peace with money. Not seeing money as something we need to kill ourselves for to earn. <laughs> you see, money is a reward for us because we have the right mot our motives straightened out towards money. See, the Word of God says in Matthew 6, 33 to 34 in the Passion Translation, it says, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from it. So in other words, God says, when chase after the kingdom of God. So be God conscious. <laughs> be Christ conscious. Put your Christ consciousness on your earnings, on your money. Because in this scripture, it talks about money. It says, put God's consciousness on your money. He says, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. That's money. God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. I want to teach you something that's going to change your life this morning. My motive is clear. It's just to bless you. But I want to teach you a secret. I'm going to drop it in your spirit this morning, and I'm going to activate it in your life this evening. This is what's going to happen today in this church. I'm dropping something in your heart that's going to change your life. Listen, it says in verse 34, refuse to worry about tomorrow. So don't be conscious about your problems. Be conscious about the problem solver. Don't be conscious about your lack. Be conscious about the provider. Don't be conscious about the challenges. Be conscious about the one that will do the impossible. You see, the possible will never surrender to the impossible without a fight. 
but you need to stand firm in your Christ consciousness and know who you are because your real life is hidden in Christ. And Satan will try everything possible to dislodge you from Christ consciousness. He doesn't want you to be connected internally with the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you will not birth it externally. For us to be a professional cyclist, I need to train. I need to develop my skills. I need to understand my bike. I need to know what the performance of this bike can be to its fullest potential, and of course, my own. And it's the same with money. I need to understand what God's blessing means upon my money. What God can do with my earnings. What God's promises is about my money. I need to have the right relationship with my money to optimize what God has given me to optimize. So don't worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Proverbs 11.25 says, Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Now the world, your family, this church, your business, the people around you, needs you to succeed. They need you to succeed. For us to succeed, we will need to take God at his word. For us to do so, we need to trust him by cultivating a strong relationship with him and making ourselves vulnerable. And I'm going to talk about vulnerability just now. Just give me five minutes. Just five minutes. You see, Virgil said, fortune sides with him who dares. <laughs> Him who dares. Now, I'm going to talk about Joshua just now. Be strong and courageous. Why does Joshua need to be? I'll get to that now. You see, Jesus talks about, he's, he's, he's explaining a parable in Matthew 25. He talks about a Lord giving five talents to one servant and then two talents to the other servant and one talent to other servant. And then he says, go and work with these talents. Five talents represented 5,000 pieces of gold, a hundred million rand. Just to put you in the picture, Jesus doesn't talk small change. <laughs> Two talents represents 2,000 pieces of gold. 1,000 talents, 1,000 pieces of gold. And then the guy with the five talents, he went and then he put Christ's consciousness on his talents, and he multiplied his talents. You see, he had the right perspective about his Lord. He knew that his Lord was a good Lord. His Lord gave him an opportunity, trusted him with the responsibility, and he went out and he did something with it, and he created twice the amount with the ability that he had in Christ. The same with the two talents. The one with the one talent had another consciousness about the elements around him, and he feared and he went and hid it. And there was nothing to show except what he's received. He gave it back. Fear controlled his life. What is your relationship with what God has given you to make a living and also to expand 
and to create the abundance that God has for your life. Christ consciousness needs to come on your money. Listen. I'm not done yet. I'm far from done. <laughs> A consciousness that is seated in Christ is bound for wealth and abundance. We just need to be at the right frequency. You see, we've all got a frequency we operate on. All of us are conscious we are in church today. We are alert. We know what's happening around us, our environment. And then there's a subconsciousness. A subconsciousness is a programming that's happened in your, in your, in your mind. I mean you, I mean, you don't need to think about changing gears when you drive home. You just go on automate. I mean, it's just automated. It just goes boom, 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 and you just don't even think about it. That's subconsciousness. But there's another consciousness we need to be aware of, and that's super consciousness. That's God. <laughs> and that's where we need to tap into. But we've got brain waves that um, puts out energy. And those brain waves has presence. <laughs> Thoughts have presence. So when you think negatively, you attract negative things. When you think positively, you attract positive things. That's just the way it happens. Whatever you believe, you will receive. Matthew 11. Whatever you say in my hearing, God said to the Israelites, that'll happen to you. You see, because creation has been designed to align with your choices. Your choices determines your results. We grow in wisdom not by the steps we take, but by the, by the choices we make. That's how we grow in wisdom. Oh, okay. So there are different brain waves. We've got beta brain waves. I, I don't have time for all that. Alpha brain, brain, brain waves, theta brain waves, delta brain waves, and gamma brain waves. But you've been designed with frequencies. So if there's a negative thought, change your frequency. Get onto another frequency. Because God is not in the negative frequency mode. God's in the positive frequency mode. So the question is, what is your relationship? What is my relationship with money? Do you maybe think that money is evil? Maybe you think that money is a great destroyer? Maybe you think that money, is, money can create a prison for you? Maybe you think that you know, having money and making more money, you are seen as a greedy person? Maybe you think all that. Maybe you think that money makes you poor in the moral stuff. I don't know. But many people's got different perceptions about money. I don't know what your perception is. But you see, none of this is true. Money has no soul. My bicycle has got no soul. The soul my bicycle has is my soul when I get on there. And of course, my bum on the seat, on the saddle. But money's got no soul, nothing. Money is neutral. The soul money has in my life and in your life is the soul I give it through my relationship with it. Like the musician, that instrument's got no soul, but let the right anointed musician take that instrument and he'll give it a soul of glory and of anointing. Another guy can take that instrument, can play that instrument, but he's got no spirit of God in him, and what he gives a, a different soul. So money's got no soul. It's neutral. 
The reflection of my soul is found in my money. Personally, I love having money. Why? Because money reveals what's in my heart. And guess what's in my heart? God is in my heart. Wow, won't it be easier for all of us to reveal God in a greater way if we've got money? In abundance? Hello? So I personally love having money. Why? Because I use money. <laughs> because I appreciate money. Because I leverage money. But I'm not in love with money. <laughs> I'm in love with how money shows the generosity of God, the character of God, the personality of God. So I use money. Amen. And I love being able to have money to show to people what's in my heart and what's in my heart is God. So what's your relationship and perspective on money? When we start operating in the supernatural law of generosity, our soul expands. And the more our soul expands, the wealthier we become spiritually and materially. The formula is very simple. Filling your soul with the word of God, put money next to it, multiply, uh, uh, if you take the equation, you'll see more soul, more money. Very simple. Fill your soul with the word of God, more soul, more money. Guess what? More money. That's what happens. There were many Bible millionaires in the word of God. We see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Job, David, Solomon, even Jesus. And they were all of them were multi-millionaires, if it's not billionaires. And if you had to put them next to some millionaires today in this earth, they all look like mediocre, these guys. These guys were rich, but what did they all have in common? A prosperous, generous mind. <laughs> That's what they had in common. They did good wherever they went. The devil wants us to have restricted survival mode mindsets. That's what the devil wants. And that's what the earth is screaming out to many of us. Who of you believe that you are entering into a new season for your life? Guess what? You've been reset by the Holy Spirit for a relaunch. This is your season. I want to tell you, this is your season. You see, the Word of God says in Isaiah 43, verse 8 to 19, it says, stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember the former things. I'm doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. You see, my brother, my sister, every season, every new season I've entered into, I've realized something. I go through a time of vulnerability. Oh, and no one wants to hear about vulnerability. No one wants to do vulnerability. Because, you know, it's risky. But you see, we need to understand that vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation. Both, uh, vulnerability is the birthplace for a fresh start. Vulnerability is the birthplace of expansion. It's the birthplace of setting up a new platform and take you, taking you from one dimension to a higher dimension. That's what vulnerability does. You see, that's why jo God said to Joshua, you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. Why did he say that? Because Joshua knew he was vulnerable. Yeah. 
He was vulnerable. He's going to face the giants. He'll need to stay obedient. He'll need to walk with God. He's exposed to risks, but he trusted God. You see, we need to trust God. We need to have that relationship with God in order to trust God so that we can become vulnerable and so that we can go into the next season and so that we can receive the fruits that God has for us in that season. David was vulnerable when he faced his Goliath. He walked in front of Goliath. Goliath was much bigger than him. He was much more mature than him in, in, as a warrior. But David knew that he was in covenant with God. How did he know he was in covenant with God? Because he was in a wilderness with God. He was in that wilderness and worshiping God. I wanna tell you, you become your revelation in the wilderness because you work the word, because you embrace the word. That's where you get your identity. Jesus was in the wilderness before he came out and he revealed who he was. You see, my brother, my sister, your Goliath has been designed to reveal who you are because the definition of Goliath means to uncover. You can go and look it up. It doesn't only mean giant. It means to uncover. It means to reveal. It means to show who you are. So in other words, your Goliath has been designed by God to reveal who you are and whose you are. And your Goliath is standing on your territory. And God says, your Goliath needs to go into exile. You need to come out of exile. And you need to stand before your Goliath and send your Goliath into exile. But again, when you face your Goliath, you are vulnerable. And David be, uh, went down to the stream, took five stones, five stones cry out the revelation of God, uh, the, uh, the revelation of who God is, where creation comes from. That's why Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will praise me. I mean, you want to get an archaeologist uh, excited, give him a rock, because inside a rock there's fossils and there's times. Creation is the data center of creation, uh, the rock is the data center of creation. It says who God is. Where does creation come from? And he took five stones, he put it in his shepherd's bag, and he stood in front of Goliath, and he took the word of God, says he reached into his shepherd's bag. Five stones. David had five major revelations of God. I don't, I don't have time to talk on this now. But he, he, he took out the revelation of who he was out of the heart of God, the shepherd's bag. He put it in his sling and he took down his Goliath. My brother, my sister, your wilderness has been designed to shape you and to make you. And then when you are there in the wilderness, you trust God, you become who God called you to be, you decide on your identity, you walk out of that wilderness and you face your Goliath and guess what? You are not a linear being, you are a dimensional being. You go from one dimension to the next dimension into your new season. But you can only do that when you've got a relationship with God so you can trust God you can risk to be vulnerable because you've got this relationship with him and your covenant with him. And then you take on your Goliaths and you go into your next season. <laughs> you see, our choices are acts of creation. The universe has been designed to align with our choices. It's the way it works. Today I put, you, I put before you life and death, Deuteronomy 30. You can choose. You see, wisdom is to choose well and to fall in love with the right things. You see, a fool is not a fool because he's not informed. A fool is a fool because he falls in love with the wrong things. 
And that's why some people just fall in love with the wrong people. <laughs> Apply the spiritual laws of money in your life. We know that God does not determine the flow of money into our lives. If it was so, the mafia would be poor. And all pastors would be rich. So don't neglect the spiritual laws. Keep on tithing. Stay in covenant. Be generous. Come on, man. You know what generosity does? Buy my book if you want to know what generosity does. Living life in the optimum zone. It's in the bookshop. And this one, burden of betrayal. Learn how to be vulnerable. Even if people betrayed you, man, just pick yourself up and go on because God is for you. And if he's for you, who can be against you? Amen. And then... Just closing scripture. I'll be done in my time. It's a miracle. Proverbs 21, 25 to 26 says, Taking the easy way out is the habit of a lazy man, and it will be his downfall. All day long he thinks, listen to this, about all the things he craves. For he hasn't learned the secret. <laughs> that the generous man has learned. Extravagant giving never leads to poverty. A year ago, I was seated at a business breakfast down in Durban, and me and Pastor Allen were doing the conference, and while Pastor Allen was talking, God spoke to my heart, and he said to me to sow a certain seed. And I mean, I know the voice of God, so I knew it was him speaking. So I sent a WhatsApp to sis, my wife, and I said to her, listen, God said to me, I need to sow this, certain, this seed. And it would wipe out our bank account. Literally wipe it out. And I said to her, I already sowed so much. What do you say? So I knew, you know, this is how it works. So God will let me off the hook if she says no. So she, she just answers me like this, two thumbs and... I say, ah. But again, I, put, I made myself vulnerable. I sowed that seed. I released that seed. And guess what? God came through for us. I want to tell you, my brother, my sister, God's blessing is on the person who's generous and keeps the laws of God in place and has this relationship with God that can make you vulnerable, but you know that God is greater than your challenge. God is greater than your need, and God is greater than your mountain. Amen? So trust God and make it work. Amen? Are you blessed? Amen. Praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.